Pace Line is supported by LEL Cycling. The coast is calling. LEL's shore collection embodies the spirit and style of the California coast. All LEL products are crafted in Southern California for shipment worldwide. Now, on to the show. From Red Kite Prayer, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Patrick Brady, and with me is my co-host, Celine Yeager, a.k.a. the Fit Chick of Bicycling Magazine. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits in our lives. All right, Celine, so your season has started. Uh, That's true. But it's February, and you're in Pennsylvania. Um, That's true, too. <laughs> what's that like? Um, you know, it, 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 it can be, it can be one of anything I I've done. It's the semi, it always kicks off with the, uh, Sourland semi-classic, which as we've mentioned before is one of the Kermesse sport events. Uh, uh-huh. he does a number of them and it's always in February and I've done it where I'm in just arm warmers and a vest and I've done it when I'm not, uh, like that's, <laughs> that's actually my pool this week because last year, I was training for the Michigan Coast to Coast, so I was using these to get big miles, right? Uh So I went down to a friend's house in South Philly, who's about 40 miles away. So if you leave South Philly, really, and you have to leave really early, there's not much traffic. And then you ride to the event, and they're like just on the border, across the border in New Jersey. You do the event, which is usually like a metric, maybe a little longer. You ride home, you've got a hundred plus mile day, right? And it's broken up nicely, and you can use the aid stations. It's like a really great way to train for big stuff. Okay. Well, last year, as I was lying there, and it was five o'clock in the morning, I could hear it pouring on the bulkhead outside. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that the sound of rain hitting the bulkhead in the streets of Philadelphia. I was like, oh boy, this is gonna be a real long day. And it was a really, really long day. It was. It never stopped raining. Really, it kind of mm. did a little bit, but not, not much. Um, I actually, I went through four pairs of gloves. I had brought extras. I bought another pair when we got to the bike shop, Towerland Cycles, where the ride started. Wow. Uh, I happily took some whiskey off of a woman at the aid station <laughs> midway through, <laughs> and. It was, we were, we, we actually, I don't think we made it all the way back to South Philly. I think we jumped a SEPTA train kind of 20 mile, like we were supposed to be 40 and it might've been 25 miles. And we were just both so hollow and shattered from being in the cold. Cause it was like 38 degrees. Oh. Um, yeah. And it was supposed to warm up, but it never really warmed up. Um, we just, we just bought tickets and jumped on the train and put our bikes on the train and just took them back into the city. Um, yeah, so there was that. But uh, so that's a that's a preamble to saying that this time around, uh, the forecast I had been watching all week, and guess what? It was supposed to be like 41 degrees for a high and rain, chances of rain. Mm. And uh, yeah, so I was out in Philadelphia the night before. We saw John Hyatt and Lyle Lovett, which was amazing, Ooh. and I would highly recommend, by the way. Sure. Uh, yeah, that was awesome. Anyway, I came up, as I was lying in bed the next morning, I came up with about a dozen legit reasons why I shouldn't go. Because <laughs> it, <was, laughs> it was 38 degrees and it was wet. It wasn't pour- It wasn't raining, raining, but it was mist. It was spitting. It, was, it wasn't nice. And I have a lot of, I do have a legitimately a lot of work to do and blah, 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 blah. You get, you get it. I was just like, I, but, but. You know, I know firsthand how much work goes into putting on these events. Like, I know how much work Brian does. And I know most of the volunteers, and they're lovely. And they are going to be standing in the rain, whether or not I get my sorry butt out of bed and go. Yeah, very Uh, true. You know, my friends, Elk, the guy that I went with last year, Nick, were, were, were committed, and they were going. And I know if I showed up and they didn't show up, I'd be really upset because, you know, we all ride about the same pace and it's it's very fun. They're very fun to ride with. So I got up. I had already put all my stuff out. Like I had done what I told, what I always tell people to do. All my stuff 
a pile of clothes with four different glove options and God knows what else. It was all sitting there just waiting for me. So I thought, okay, if it doesn't actually, if it doesn't get worse than this, it won't be a terrible day. And it was not supposed to get worse than that. It was actually supposed to stop raining later in the day, which was another reason I actually didn't want to go. I was like, I could ride later and it won't be raining. It'll be warmer. But anyway, um, I put my stuff in the bag. I drove out. I kept, I, dude, I was just like, this is so dumb. This is so dumb. Uh, got there. It wasn't raining. Pretty good show. It's funny. The guy at V5 Cycles, where it started this year, as soon as I, I, I went in to sign in, the, the guy was like, oh, people have been asking about you. And the owner was happy that I was there and took a picture. And, you know, Brian goes, I knew she would never bail. <laughs> I'm just like, no, <laughs> never even never even occurred to me to bail. Um, yeah, my friends, Nick and I, and it actually... It ended up being such a nice day. It didn't rain. It was calm. It's been quite windy here. It was calm. It was pleasant. I felt really, really good. I just had a, just a day that I just felt just really great. And nice. the miles just ticked off. And we just had, you know, like four hours later, I was like, I'm so glad I did that. You know, it's just, nice. it was just a really, yeah, it ended up being... It was just it, it was just a lesson in everything that I talk about all the time. Just the the preparation and the accountability, and you know, I I can get real existential and be like, why, why, why am I doing this? This is this is just like you know I got I was really kind of grumpy. I'm like I'm kind of burning a day, but I didn't burn a day. I got a lot. That day fed me. That day filled me up. You know, and so it's just yeah. It's it's just it's just good to those things to re, to remember when you're when you don't want to go out. Sometimes it's it's the best time to go out. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, you say something really significant in that you know there are those days that feed you, where you yeah. get you get off the bike enriched rather than depleted. Exactly. Yeah, and that and I, you know, everything else in my life had been frankly depleting me. I've got I, I am up to my eyeballs. I'm busier than I want to be, and it's all good. Mm-hmm. But it's unsus- it's unsustainable and untenable busy. That kind of like this cannot last forever. I'm just going to crack. And those are the times where you're just like, what am I doing going out for a four hour ride? Right. Those are the times it's just yep. really hard to in your mind to be like. I cannot do this. I should be sitting on my butt in front of my computer. And but you know, at this juncture, I also know that those those four hours are going to make that time that I sit down actually productive, as opposed to me staring at a screen trying to will words to come. Yeah, very true. And yeah, and you know. <laughs> As we have said many times also on this show, you're only on this marble once that we know of, and I, I, it, you just can't. I could conceivably spend every waking hour doing something else besides riding my bike, right? Oh, I could yeah. be working almost all the time or cleaning more or some. You know, there's just so much. There's so many reasons. Uh, but I, I, that was just a really good ride because I, 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 I left that ride remembering why I ride. Nice. Yeah. yeah. And nice. I, I don't usually need to remind myself, but that was a, it was a stark reminder of, uh, you know, of why I ride. And it was cool. It was just cool. Like just to every, just to talk to all the people who do, you know, who do show up for those rides. They, they, everybody has their own reasons, I imagine, but I imagine there, there's a commonality, uh, between all of us. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I agree. <laughs> I guess that's the, the short, simple version. You know, people don't start doing, you know, four hour races where you're not just, you know, nose to wheel the entire day in a big pack without searching for something else. You're for sure. there for some other reason than just the glory of the finish line. Oh, Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. And, 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 and those, you know, those rides, I, I imagine, you know, similar to, to most people's events that they do. I mean, of course, you, you go, it's, it's off the, it's off your usual routes. It's different. 
they're usually very pretty. I mean, there's just there's just a lot to it that is just special and and unique. And I think that anybody who rides their bike a lot needs that too. They need a a, a regular dose of something a little different. Yeah, yeah. I before I moved from L.A. to Santa Rosa. I got to a point where all the old group rides that I'd been doing for, you know, upwards of 10 years, uh, yeah, uh, 14, 15 years at that point, they just stopped working for me. I just Hmm. couldn't do them anymore. And I started doing very, very different things on the occasions where I wasn't going off to do an event. I would do these rides up into downtown and Silver Lake and Echo Park Hmm. and Boyle Heights and places where you know, a, a, a white middle-aged guy doesn't go riding a bike. Huh. Interesting. It was wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of all that kind of stuff. I think it's important. I think yeah. it keeps you from, it keeps you in the game. It keeps you from getting burned out or I man, that, 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 you know, all that being said, I do know people who can do the same thing remarkably over and over and over again. And they, and they must get something else out of it. It must be the routine. It must be, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I get that too. I'm just not like that. I'm just not wired that way. But I, mm-hmm. but I do understand that there are some people who, you know, I've lived here twenty some years, and there are people who were here before I got here who are still doing, you know, the same the same rides. Yep. And it's it's mind blowing to me, but they seem happy, and so. Well, you think about your ability to go out and ride a bike path that you've ridden, you know, two thousand times before. That's fair. And. Okay. Somehow, mm-hmm. there it's still necessary. Well, and I have, and that 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 being said, I have uh, I ride the Parkway here, which is our just it's a local city park that's less than two miles from my garage, and I ride that thing. If I did a Strava heat map, I can't even imagine what it would look like because it's just <laughs> a halo. I'm there a, I'm there a lot, uh, and. And I don't really get tired of it because I can take it in different directions. There's all different little paths off of it. And it's seasonal, right? So sometimes there's snow and sometimes there's snowdrop flowers and sometimes there's pretty leaves in the fall. So it it looks different, too. And I've seen bald eagles there, you know, and it's just like a treat to have something uh, so close right there that, you know, and I I don't I I wouldn't necessarily want to do it every, every, every day. But I I ride there quite a bit. I'm there at least a couple times a week. Yeah. You know, my training in poetry is such that, you know, part of the writing process, aside from just being about discovery, is, you know, an effort to try to reach some more fundamental truth, some sort of epiphany. And last fall, I wrote a piece in which, you know, the the fa- the place I found myself at the end was the realization that I can do one ride that I've done thousands of times before. And the thing that changes, you know, is obviously not that ride. What changes and the thing that needs to change is within me. Deep thoughts on the pace line today, man. That's true. It's true, though. That's uh, that's true. And yeah. And I, I, you know, I also, I had a milestone birthday last week. I turned 50. So. Oh, hey, uh, happy birthday. That's right. Thank you. Uh, You know, and I thought about that a lot and I I discovered that all the thinking going into it was bigger than the actual time. Once the day came, I was like, ah. Yeah. Sun goes down just like usual. Here I am. Um, Yeah. So it was just good to be out there and just sort of an affirmation of everything. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, sounds like this segues into your actual poll, or have we already covered much We've of it? We've already covered my actual <laughs> poll. That is what I wanted to talk about. I, and it, it's really, it is about accountability. I, I don't think you can overstate it. I don't think, you know, and believe me, it did not, it did not, it was not lost on me that I told everybody last week that I was starting the, the, you know, the semi-classics and that I would have to get on here now and be like, well... I stayed in bed. <laughs> Did I mention I have flannel sheets? <laughs> yeah, like, it was really comfortable, and I didn't go. Next. <laughs> so, yep. that helps, too. Yeah, I, you know, accountability. Uh, before we started recording, we were talking about uh, 
former staffer and still occasional contributor to bicycling, uh, Dan Capel, Mm-hmm. He told me about a thing that he had with a couple of friends of his that they called accountability time. Uh, and this wasn't about writing. Uh, hmm. It was about writing. And oh. when you've got a pet project, um, yes. you know, something that isn't part of what brings in the bills, but something that you've been wanting to work on. Yep. Getting together, sitting down. Oh, working dude, on that, that could sit on your computer for 25 years and not be touched. Right. I mean, seriously, you, you easily. Yep. That's yep. a really good idea. Yeah. And I was on a I was on a ride a couple months ago. Uh, met a woman uh, on the ride who relatively recent transplant to Sonoma County, and she mentioned something about being a book editor. I was like, okay, you and I we we got a thing or two to talk about. <laughs> yeah. And the upshot of it is, she's working on an MFA at uh, Warren Wilson in North Carolina, which is a low residency MFA program, so she can live here and be a student there. And naturally, she's got some short fiction and a novel that she's working on. And being a book editor, you know, she spends a lot of time at a keyboard and screen, but not a lot of time working on that. And I was like, well, would you like to have what a buddy of mine calls accountability time? Yeah, like, and that's a great that? idea. And we've been doing it. Um, I have some fiction that I'm working on. Stranger things, huh? Yeah. So... <laughs> Uh, we've been getting together once a week and I'm also trying to carve out like the last half hour before I go to bed, just yep. chip at it. Yep. Yep. But cool. accountability. Yeah. Showing up with friends. Good stuff. Showing up. There you yes. have it. All right. I will pull aside and what do you have? Okay. Well, I've got another listener question this week. Uh, our listener, Quentin, who is also an RKP reader, uh, has been for a long time. He had a question about clothing for us. And it's something that I think should be informative to the entire audience and not just to him, which is why we're bringing it up. Right he on. said he's run into bibs and tights where the pad is positioned so far forward that his sit bones don't actually make contact with the pad. They're off the back wow. of it. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I'm I'm just assuming that he's not shaped like Elephant Man here. I, you know, just regular like the rest of us. Um, so the thing is, this is an issue that you really can run into for a couple of different reasons. The first thing I need to say is that pad placement will absolutely vary from brand to brand. Mm-hmm. The more... An apparel company identifies itself as making stuff for go fast roadies. The further forward that will be as they anticipate that, that the rider will roll forward on the saddle and ride on the yep. perineum. I'm talking men here. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the more the apparel is designed for mountain bikers, the farther back the pad will be because they anticipate you're sitting more upright. Yep. Another issue that can come up is if the bibs are cut to fit a standard other than what your proportions are. Uh, I believe I've talked on the show before about fit models. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they'll have kind of a, a best case scenario of, of what a medium is like. And if their idea of a medium is somebody who can wear skinny jeans and you can't get into skinny jeans with grease and a crowbar, well, there's going to be a problem with the fit. For a long time, Castelli bibs were cut for people, like I said, with no, yeah. no discernible butt. So when I wore their bibs, I had trouble getting the pad to sit correctly. And then my caboose stretched the Lycra to its absolute limit. Um, on top of that, it could make the front tight. Because if you're going to grab some space in the back, it's got to come from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So it stretched the back as much as it could and it pulled the front for uh pulled the front back so it was not a great fit for me for a period of time um i did just just to kind of see what some answers were i checked with pearl Izumi and asos and castelli none of them vary the pad placement between their different model lines so like with pearl Izumi, you know they've got their more budget-oriented quest line and then there's their top shelf mm-hmm. pro line pad placement does not vary at all further the folks at, at pearl told me that they hold their factory uh quality assurance to a, a plaid pa- a pad placement of two millimeters okay it's got to be within two millimeters of what they specify otherwise it gets rejected so 
you know, and that's all the more impressive when you think, oh, they're not sewing it. You know, this isn't a patch being sewn on something that's cotton. This is stretchy stuff. So getting that to lay right every time is, oh, okay, that's an achievement I hadn't thought about. Yeah. Um, uh, When Mavic introduced their apparel for gravel riding a few years back. One of the things I do remember them saying in the presentation was that they were moving the pad back some, just a touch, uh, to Mm. accommodate the more upright position many riders adopt for gravel riding. You know, for a lot of people, your gravel position sits somewhere between what your, yeah, yeah, somewhere between your mountain bike position and your traditional road position. Yeah. Uh, and actually, I'm, I'm bringing my road position in more in line with my gravel position, <laughs> yeah. this, this whole aging thing. So it's, it's interesting. I mean, his problem seems to be, uh, I don't want to say excessive, but on the extreme side of what I've ever right. heard about. I've certainly encountered people who are like, this pad is not in the right place for me. Yeah. Um, but again, the, the problem he's facing seems you know, unusual. That does seem extreme. I would agree. I would wonder if he's wearing the right size would be my honest first question. That that's a pretty fair question as well. Yeah. Um, and then there's the fact that, you know, you've got other variations like through uh, a particular manufacturer's line of bibs, there will be one pad that's a little larger than the others. One pad that's deliberately, you know, made a little smaller one that's Mm -hmm. thicker. And so there are any number of variations that you got to take into account. And, you know, while competitive cyclist has really good prices on an awful lot of apparel, I simply can't imagine, you know, ordering clothing online without having had to try it. I mean, my job as a reviewer, uh, a lot of times I'm guesstimating. Uh, I I Mm -hmm. take a strong look at what their sizing guidelines are and most lines I've got sufficient history with. But every now and then, some of the Rafa jerseys, like, I might could have gone a, a size down from this. Um, and yeah. then if somebody just sends you something without bothering to ask, they're like, oh, he's a guy, send him a large. It's like, <laughs> me and what army? I, I, You know, I'm swimming in this thing. But that's a that's a separate issue. But it's it's this this sort of problem that you can run into that causes me to uh, encourage people to go to a retailer and try the stuff on in person. Yeah. Yeah. You need, you do need to get a sense of it. It's uh, chamois can be all over the map. I mean, they can be, they are all over the map on, you know, I, I think, you know, I mean, the women's side doesn't have anything specifically problematic that is different from the men's side. It's the same thing. It's just Mm -hmm. that, um, I, I can't sometimes understand why there's so much chamois. Like, it's halfway down my legs. It's like, it seems like there's just, like, I prefer a much lower profile. Um, sometimes there's so much chamois in the back that I'm just like, unless I'm lying down on a recumbent, I don't know what I'm going to do with that. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, there's there's the shorts that which you probably have found on the mountain bike um, catch on your saddle, which, because the chamois, like, where it's, where the chamois sits with us, you know, that that's a terrible thing when you're getting in and out of the saddle. So, yep. yeah, um, it is really important not just to try stuff on, but also maybe try to move around a little bit and see where things are going to move. If they move, if they stay put, you know, a good pair of shorts should just stay put, should just like everything should fit well and stay put and be yeah. where you want it to be. Um, yeah, you don't want to yeah. be sliding around on that pad. Um, And that's one of the things that amazes me is I'll see riders where, you know, you'll see wrinkles of Lycra at their hips, you know, just kind of to the side of their cheeks. You'll see some wrinkles of Lycra. And it's like, oh, he's just sliding around in that. Ooh, that just looks uncomfortable to me. And yeah, getting the right fit is really critical to making sure that stuff stays put the way it's supposed to because i mean for guys there's stuff that we want to stay put up front (laughs) and and i mean i've gotten chafing there i you know some of the grasshoppers last year uh for whatever reason the humidity and and warm Mm -hmm. weather and whatnot i was getting some chafing that 
was a little difficult to deal with. Wow. Um, I, I you thought know, like, about that on my end of things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I, you know, I was having to try different chamois creams and eventually got on top of it, but I'm still not really sure what that was about. Uh, it was, well, that that's was what challenge. the, uh, the, and, I'm gonna, and I never remember what the actual name of the thing is. Which are the shorts that have like the cuckoo penthouse or what do they oh, call it? Yeah. 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 The um, cuckoo penthouse. Oh, it is um, called the cuckoo penthouse. Yep. I, I, yep. I usually. Co- yeah. Oh, you okay. nailed it. Okay. Uh, that's what that, that's about. I, I'm not. I'm not. We don't have penthouses. No. Um, yeah. yeah. I can appreciate how that. Yeah. Uh huh. That's that a feature way. that I'm not actually that crazy about. <clears throat> As it happens, uh, it they reduce the padding up front, right? And I'm kind of no, I, I want the padding up front, right? Um, right. It's very so yes. that's but you know one of the other things that Asos does that is just so genius is they will only sew the pad in at the front and the rear, so that the middle portion of the pad can stay with you and then slide across the lycra some. Uh, really? So that, oh, yeah, so that, that you've got even more freedom of movement when you're in those bibs and moving around on the saddle. Huh. Yeah. That's That part's genius. Again, cuckoo penthouse, less so. Um, huh. But that part is truly genius. I'm a big fan of that. And there uh, are yeah. other companies beginning to do some stuff like that. Uh, Pearl has a pair of bibs that, you know, they they did less sewing and uh, they move a little better. Yeah. That's cool. I imagine that you are just a bib person, right? Like you're probably not a, you strike me as a a bib short man. I, I mean, I joke that I'm a little bit pear shaped just because of my big ass, but you know, (laughs) that's that's not what I was getting at. (laughs) But I am sort of string bean ish, you know, guys, our, our hips and our waist is, uh, you know, if I put on shorts, they're just not going to stay up. Uh, okay, they they why, won't stay yeah. in place. Well, I know so guys I, that don't wear them for the opposite reason, right? They have a bit of a gut, and so the band is cutting in, right? Yeah. I mean, I I, yep. I I know people who don't. I I think it's because of my ultra-endurance roots. I've always been a shorts person because, mm-hmm. as a woman, it's it's just unbelievably a pain in the butt to strip down when you have your jersey pox lo- pockets loaded with 800 calories of food and everything to then have to take off said jersey that you've just loaded perfectly and try to like run and it's a whole thing. Yeah. Um and they've come up with some really nice tights now that are drop tails. Really nice. Thank God. Cuz winter riding, forget it. I mean, it's just torture to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um so they have come up with some wonderful finally. It only took 30 years, but designs <laughs> that actually like work. Uh but shorts not so much. You know, I haven't seen like like bib shorts that work as well. I might have to look into that because I just wear regular shorts most of the time. There are some innovative new designs uh, from a variety of companies on women's bibs. Uh, Asos has a new design. Um, there's a, I'm trying to think of the they name kind of, of them. Pearl had a design, didn't they? Mm-hmm. There's one with a crisscross in the back that works real well. Uh, and then uh, Seven Mesh uh, has mm-hmm. a, a a bib short for women that the, the entirety of the design, they criss, the straps crisscross and the whole thing is based on the idea that the, if you can make uh, stretchy straps long enough, you right. can just use the, the inherent yeah. stretch uh, over that greater distance so that you can pull them down and back. Yeah. But, instead of pulling stuff over your head and over your helmet and it's a whole, yeah. I've, I've, there was a pair, and I'm sorry, whoever you are that designed them, but they were so terrible. They they zipped up the side. Like, so there was a zipper on the whole side of the leg that mm-hmm. you would just unzip. But do you know how hard that is to then, like, you, if you can imagine, it just, like, broke away from the side. So now that I have to, like, <laughs> stretch it back across my body, because it is Lycra, and try to zip up my, it was. Yeah, wow. that doesn't sound easy. It was really complicated. Things should not be so complicated. Yeah. So, yeah. No, it, it, it's, there's a reason that there's so many brands and so many different kinds of chamois and so many different kinds of shorts and so many designs, right? Because we are all shaped differently and have yeah. different riding styles and needs. Well, um, and I, I feel especially for women who have a pretty low 
uh, difference between what their waist and their hips are. You know, uh, if they're not a particularly hippie woman and don't have an itty bitty waist, you know, and therefore a little bit more like a guy wearing shorts can be difficult in terms of getting them to stay up just like with guys. And for a woman who faces that, it's like, oh, that must really blow. (laughs) It's like, I need bibs. And yet, mm. one of the many hardships. Uh, yeah, women, women in cycling is, is not easy for, uh, I'm just glad there's women clothes. When I first started, there was like, there was nothing. You just had like long, terrible shorts that didn't fit. Yeah. The jerseys, putting a man's jersey on a woman is just, that's just cruel. Yeah, it was you all know. bad. It was all bad. It's mean. It was, we've, we have honestly come a, ter- a remarkably long way. I mean, things are so much better. Yeah. The clothes are like just light years better. Yeah, so. I- I'm amazed at how good some of the really uh, lower tier brands are at this point. Yeah, for sure. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of like bikes. I mean, everything is just elevated, and it's all. You know, you can still get some crappy stuff, but you have to kind of look for it. I mean, there's mm-hmm. there's. Yeah, there's definitely. Yeah. <laughs> you you can't blunder into it as easily. <laughs> that is true. Sort of off topic, but on topic of clothes. Did you see the Bond is going to be selling at REI? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There have got to be a lot of Trek dealers losing their minds over that. That's how I found out. Yeah, a friend oh. of mine had uh, put it put an Instagram story up of all of his stuff over all the years that he was going to pee on and then burn. He was really upset. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't follow the whole story through to see if he actually made good on I, that uh, commitment, but he was not happy. Not happy. Yeah, I, I, it's one of those things that you know. It's easy to imagine that Trek would look at REI and go, <laughs> "That's a lot of retailers." Yeah, uh, but. There's a real challenge in that because the very thing that you know all the retailers who are currently Trek dealers are worried about is that this is the slippery slope, that this is the first indication of a larger business strategy to put Trek in all REIs. And right, you can't blame them for being afraid because Trek has done many things over the years where... I don't want to say they baited and switched, but uh, they do something and then they don't stay as committed uh, to that initial position. You know, right, uh, there right, are no more right. Gary Fisher bikes. Right. Know, right. That sort of thing. And I, you know, if four years from now, treks are sitting in REIs across the country, I am not going to be surprised no, um, I won't either. But I, that's one of the and reasons Cannondale's, why I don't want to be a, I mean, everything, yep. yeah, it's, yeah. Things are changing real quick. Yeah. Well, speaking of the uh, retail landscape, Tuesday was the last day of performance. Performance oh, bike that. is no more. That's huge. That's huge. It's, it's really sad. It's, yeah. You know, for all that performance was not in terms of, you know, Quality right. staff who are well trained and you know all the best lines. It, it was, you know, they were pretty sketchy in terms of what their lines were and how good the staff was. Those were those were my first bike shorts. Speaking of going back to your shorts, uh-huh. and they were terrible. They had the gel chamois, yep. kind of, you know, that kind of leaked out <laughs> like it went into war. But it was they cost me nothing and got me into the sport. I mean, honestly, like that's there you go. Yeah. Yeah. The summer of uh, what would have been, well, it would have been the winter of 8990. I, you know, Gore-Tex was out, but it wasn't in any rain jackets yet made for cyclists. And the very first company to come out with a Gore-Tex rain jacket for cyclists and Gore-Tex rain pants for cyclists was oh. performance. Yeah. And people that? would see me and see that jacket and see the, the rain pants yep. and they'd go, yep. dude, performance. And I'm like, Gore-Tex, how you like me now? Yeah. yeah. So they, there was an awful lot they did. One of the things that I will say is that perhaps because their staff was not as experienced, 
I know any number of women who purchased their first bike through a performance because they didn't get the tood from yep. the the bike shop bros. Yeah, no, I mean, I, that's a hundred percent true. And it's I, a very friendly place to go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not a place that I did a lot of shopping at here in Santa Rosa, but every now and then, you know, there was something that I was in need of and they happened to have it and nobody else did. And so I would go, uh, yeah, they're big. We had one by the airport here. A mm-hmm. bunch of my friends worked there and cavernous it's, place. You could get pretty much anything. It's a real shame to see them gone that, you know, for whatever reduction in competition that that represents for other retailers, I get why they would want that, but fewer specialty bicycle retailers in the U.S. is not a good thing for the bike industry. And for that reason, I'm sad about it. I agree. I did buy two bikes there before they closed. Did you? I did. 24-inch wheel road bike and a 650 wheel road bike for my boys. For your boys. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, cool. So my nine-year-old is just big enough for the 24-inch wheel. I was sort of hoping that he could get on the 650 and the six-year-old could get on the 24. And it's like, no, not not quite yet. They'll grow in them. You know, and I just love the idea that at one point I'm going to be able to do a road ride with both of them. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. They were $450 road bikes that I bought for $99 each. Wow. Yeah. Well, initially I just went in and bought the 24 and I, I got home and it's like, why did, why, what, what, why did I, hmm, you just got paid. Okay. I'm going to go back tomorrow. <laughs> and I yeah, walked back no, in. Like, I was I like, you almost can't. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and Andrew Yee of Cyclocross Magazine, mm-hmm. he has started a little Facebook group for people who have bought uh, the Fuji Ace and 24 and 650. And we're all looking at ways where we can do little upgrades on these bikes so that they'll be, say, quick release front and rear instead of bolt on or maybe right, eight right. speed instead of seven. Uh, looking at little strategies to help soup the bikes up a little bit. Sweet. Yeah. Cool. So if anybody out there is listening, happens to have a Fuji Ace and wants to know more, <laughs> uh, ping us in the in the comments at Red Kite Prayer and I'll hook you up. You just got to cool. be on Facebook. Yeah. What do you say we move on to Paceline Picks? I'm down. Okay. I have got? a pick that you made fun of. Do you know what my pick is that you made fun of? Well, it looked like a baseball cap. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure it's a, it's 100% a cycling cap now that I look at it, but it, it was it was given to me as a gore rain cap for cycling. It's got a brim. I rock the brims. And uh, my eyes were totally dry. Mm-hmm. I, I, if the sun had come out, I would have been shielded from that as well. Um, and it, yeah, it was my Gore rain cap. And I don't have any other rain caps. That's the first time I ever had a rain cap. And it's kind of a magical thing. It, like, it actually See? keeps your head dry. <laughs> I, I've, I've talked about this. See? Now, now right. you know. Well, they did but, have the mutts there or the mutes or whatever the heck those things. Oh, mutts. Yeah. Mutts. Yep. Yeah. He had the special Kermesse. It was too much for me for the day, but he did have some of them there. <laughs> they were pretty cool. But no, I had uh, the 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 rain cap is uh it does uh it sounds so dumb to say it but it does keep your head dry which mm-hmm. you know I, I have lots of uh, regular caps that that don't and eventually my hair does get wet and then cold so it was a uh, it was nice to have it was nice to have even though it never fully rained it was damp enough that I appreciated having okay now uh, the photo I saw of you yes it looked like a baseball cap. It's not a baseball cap. It is not a baseball cap. It, 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 so it was just the angle. It has a, a oh, no, pretty it's, traditional. It's a, no, it's not traditional. It's it's a it's a got a it's got a big brim. I don't. It's not okay, a baseball so cap. Gore it says does cap, ma- not hat, not hat. It's a cap. Well, Gore does make a cycling cap that is waterproof. I had one. I recently gave it to a friend. And it has a little brim? Like a, a little, little brim. brim. Yeah. And then there's the sportful one that was my, my paceline pick sometime back. No, this is a gore. This is gore. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's a cap. 
Well, the, the reason, <laughs> you know, I, I, I didn't really, play baseball. <laughs> we're going to stick you in the outfield, Celine. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I really, I don't believe in shaming people, but I had to kind of kid you on that because the whole thing about, you know, the reason you don't want to wear a baseball cap under a helmet is. Which I actually have no idea why. Well, once you get to get going to real road speeds, say 25, 28 miles an hour, the thing's getting pushed up by the wind. Or if it's a windy day, it's moving the helmet around on your head. That's why cycling caps have a short brim is so that they can't catch that much air. Uh, look how look at the big brain there. Look how I'm getting educated. I would have I would have figured that out myself had it been windy. <laughs> but, it, <laughs> yeah. but it was as I mentioned a very still day. So I and you know we weren't I mean, some of the downhills we were going kind of fast, but in general the speeds were you know more along the lines of sixteen seventeen probably on the yeah flats just because the terrain yeah. um, not not huge. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. No, I could see that being a problem. I could, so, I could see that. Yeah, it's that's that's why. And the the remarkable thing is, you know, you look at the short brim on a cycling cap and you think that is not going to do anything other than make me look silly to everybody else who's not a cyclist. When the fact is, actually, it's just enough because uh, last week when I was, you know, 10 days ago or so when I was doing Super Sweetwater, I wore it was, you know, a very similar setup to yours. I had a cap under my helmet and no glasses. Uh, right. My brim was just three inches shorter than yours. Uh, <laughs> that's inferior, maybe for the day, but but it was it, it was fine. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, I would recommend maybe not maybe not the baseball style, whatever I have on my head there. But I, the one that I have in the show notes is actually their Gore-Tex cap. I think we might want to double check that uh, with the smaller check with. The, the smaller brim but i was uh i was all gore-texed out i had the shake dry jacket which i cannot say enough good things about again mm-hmm. um i wore that too and uh the pearl azumi uh shoe covers that i said in another i had like pretty much everything i've recommended on this show at some point <laughs> i had on i, I hate my so wrath were, of gillet what do we call that when you're a cyclist you were riding the ride uh, yes, yes, I was. <laughs> walking, yes, walking the talk and riding the ride. I t- totally, I had on everything, the glasses, everything. Uh, so I, I felt very, uh, I felt very authentic. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, my pick this week isn't a thing. It's an event. The North American Handmade Bicycle Show is right around the corner. It's March 15th through 17th in Sacramento. I get that if you're in, say, Nebraska, and not already planning to be there, this won't help at this late date. But for all of our California and Oregon listeners, you really should make an effort to be there. This one's going to be full. The space is sold out, and exhibitors will be a who's who of great frame builders. Okay, I'm going to give you a few names. Uh, Previous Best in Show winners, Mark Danucci, Argonaut, Black Cat, Cherubim, and others will be there. Uh, we will have a display of bikes from Dario Pegoretti. Um, and then there are brands that just really bring it every single time they show up, like Mosaic, Enigma, and Number 22. Here's the other part that I'm really excited about, just you know, from the, the standpoint of being an attendee. For the first time ever, Seven Cycles will be there. And... Wow. I'm excited to be the first to tell the world that they will be introducing something new there. I'm sworn to secrecy for now. That's exciting. Yeah, yeah. This is, yeah, if you walk in the hall and you don't go by seven, you will have made a mistake. Uh, I can't, I can't wait to see what this, what this thing is. I mean, I know what it is on paper, but can't wait to see it in person it's gonna be really yeah. really cool that show's exciting that show is definitely a, it's uh you know especially now that interbike is is what it is and everything is what it is i, I think uh that show has really stepped into its own as a very it's, it's yeah become the show to go to yeah there will be you know uh, there'll be a big display by sram there are any number of you know other peripheral companies mm-hmm. King Cage, of course, you know, Ron will be there bending titanium tubing into bottle cages. It's just, 
it's such a cool thing. And then an only occasional uh, display or, or exhibitor, black magic paint. You know, when you think about the the really A-plus places painting frames, you've got Joe Bell, uh, you've got Fresh Frame. Well, I put Black Magic right in there with them. Cool. Yeah, so they I've been watching what they've been posting on Facebook lately in terms of bikes that are going to be seen at NABs and how they can back up you know, back to back to back that many really impressive bikes that aren't just a a one color spray is beyond me. That's awesome. Yeah. So be there. Yeah. Um, let's see. What have you posted? I know there was a a really cool bike review from you. Uh, I believe a Juliana. What else have you been posting? Oh yeah. The Julia, that Joplin is a sweet bike. I put that up. Um, one, a piece that it's always interesting what gets traction and one, one that got a lot of traction that I thought would be of interest, but it got more attention than I, than I imagined it would was a piece that found it was on uh, dietary monitoring, like tracking your food. Yep. And which is something that I personally haven't done a lot of, but I know it is enormously successful for people who uh, have, you know, pounds that they want to lose and, and haven't been successful in doing that. And it's, it goes back to my poll. It's, it's really the accountability. So they did this whole study. Just most people don't do it or if they, if they avoid doing it or even if, you know, coaches like myself don't recommend doing it, it's usually because it's, it sounds like a giant time suck, right? Like to write down or to, you know, use one of the many apps that you can use to sort of track everything you eat just sounds like a time suck. And so they actually had like a whole group of people do it for six months and then they didn't tell them they were going to track how much time that they were taking, but they mm-hmm. could tell because it was on a computer program, right? So then they crunched all the data at the end of the six months, and they found that the people who tracked most frequently lost the most weight. They were the most successful. But they didn't track the most time, right? So the the people that were super meticulous didn't lose any more weight than the people who just, like, checked in, you know, regularly, checked in. Very interesting. So it it took them only like 14 minutes a day, which is about Mm -hmm. right, as you would think. But the people who took like longer, it wasn't any more beneficial, which really just speaks again to the accountability element. It's not necessarily that you are, which is good, because I'm always hesitant to tell people to write down every morsel. It sounds joyless. It sounds, you know, I don't like to make eating a joyless experience like that. Mm -hmm. But this just little level of accountability, like... Knowing that you're going to just check in with yourself seems to be all that all that matters there. Well, yeah, when so. you when you look down at a cookie and you think, OK, I've got to log that. Right. You really or do. Start to think, well, <laughs> yeah. Yes. 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 If I but, if I go back into that box, I have to put that I have to write that down. So, yeah. Yeah. The, I have previously used one of the apps that's available for the iPhone to do that. Oh, yeah? And the thing that I found the big stumbling block for me was trying to deal with portion size and figure out, well, uh, how, right. how many calories is that? When I make a peanut butter and jelly it's sandwich, it's, I know. bread it's, is a delivery device, you know? Yeah. And I, I mean, on one occasion, I got out a tablespoon and it's like, okay, that's about four tablespoons of peanut butter. But is oh, that yeah. how much I always do? Or, it, you know, has the fact that I'm using this tablespoon and not just, you know. See, again, and I don't think that matters. I honestly think that if you just wrote down that you had a sandwich, that's all you would need to. I really do. Because yeah. you're more likely to just have that sandwich and not have chips with the sandwich. That's my theory. I don't know that as a fact, but I bet you that that's what's Well, that does on. sound very much like the implication of what that study says. So yeah. I, I might be... Hmm. I might have to take a look. At, I mean, it's probably been four years since I did that, but it, it might be time for me to I'm look sure back I, into one of those apps. Any of those elements of accountability always work. So, yeah. So that was, that was an interesting little thing that took off today. Hmm. Or this Very week, cool. earlier this week, I should say. Yeah. Well, speaking of rain, as we were earlier, uh, oh, you I, guys. Posted, <laughs> I posted my piece on the Grasshopper Adventure Series that I did, you know, 10 days or so ago. So many of those roads that I raced on that day are currently closed due to flooding. The, the images are 
uh, it's unbelievable. I've been it, seeing some. I just can't even wrap my head around what I'm looking at. Yeah, I. Uh, yeah, there are there are whole roads where I I would you know be you know at least waist deep wading down them. That's there insane. are places where the street signs are you know eight ten inches above the water. You know the actual you know names of the streets. Yeah. That one. Yeah. Yeah. You know it's. Yeah, they're doing boat rescues and stuff. Uh, it's it's really upsetting, you know. And there's this this whole wait. Why us? Uh, you know, we had these fires here. You know, not that long ago. You mm-hmm. know, eighteen not months long ago. ago. Yeah. Um, and West County escaped unscathed through the fires, and now West County's getting just hammered. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a real bummer. And I mean, there are places we broke a record for rainfall here in Santa Rosa in 24 hours, uh, about five and a half inches. Um, yeah. And some places have gotten like 14, right? As much as you get in a year. Yeah. There's there's a location. I mean, it's the middle of nowhere. It's not really a place I think of as a real place, but there's a dead end road outside of Healdsburg. That's a really yes. lovely climb yes. to do. Yeah. But it goes up to a quote unquote place called Venado. It's really just a weather station and, you know, there are some houses around, but they recorded 20 inches rain in like oh 48 God. hours. Yeah. <sighs> this spot where I go mountain biking in, in two days, I want to say they'd gotten 10 inches of rain. That's know? amazing. Yeah. It's, uh, and yeah, my, it's funny to think that my report on the grasshopper talked about just how much sound there were there was how loud the ride was because of all the rushing water you know moving through gullies and whatnot that are normally just dry uh i yeah so oh uh pray for us (laughs) yeah we'll do once again we've been loving the requests for segments on the show You all have been sending some great stuff. If you've got an idea, please drop by RKP and put a suggestion in the comments or email us. Before we go, I'd like to put in a plug for RKP's other podcast, The Pull. The show features artisans talking about their craft in one-on-one interviews. Think Terry Gross for Bicyclists. This week's show is with Curtis Inglis of Inglis Cycles and Retrotech Cycles. Oh, uh, Curtis is a neat guy, and he took me for a ride uh, in his little bitty Wolseley, which is about the size of a Mini Cooper. Okay, we hope you've enjoyed the show, and if you have, please leave us a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes us easier for other listeners to find. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady with Celine Yeager. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line.